Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, www.limitless-estates.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's jump into our show. On today's show, we have Henry Doss joining us. Henry, welcome. How are you? Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Great. Well, before we head into today's interview, here is a little bit about Henry. Henry is a serial entrepreneur, business coach, screenwriter, personal finance coach, and self-described ordinary guy. He built his consulting business, Doss Knowledge, to help provide professional coaching for entrepreneurs and business owners of companies with top-line sales under $10 million. His new book, FQ Financial Intelligence, is the culmination of his six decades of financial knowledge and experience. So, all right, Henry, let's go ahead and get started. And first, could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? That pretty much covered it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I, I coach entrepreneurs. I have coached folks in the real estate space. I've been involved in the real estate business. And I also teach people personal finance. I run um, passive investing mastermind groups for people who are interested in learning about diversified investments. So yeah, I handle a bunch of different stuff. Can you start by telling us a little bit maybe how you got started in the coaching business and the personal development industry and why do you stay in that industry? I guess it was kind of a midlife crisis. You know, I, I had been an entrepreneur for, you know, 20 something years. I had turned 50. I sold a business and I was just trading full time because I've been trading stocks since I was a teenager. And trading stocks, while I could do that full time and make a living, it's intensely boring. It's really a solo occupation. So yeah, I had to scratch an itch. And, and uh, so I sat down with a piece of paper and I said, what do I want the next act of my life to be? And I had already kind of been informally coaching people over the years anyway. So I said, okay, let's see what this looks like. So I signed up with a coaching school. I did a year's worth of coaching classes to kind of learn how it all works. And then I hung up a shingle and said, I'm a coach. And I built kind of my own hybrid version of it, kind of a half a coach and half a strategic advisor, because I felt that there were things missing in the in the coaching curriculum, like you know, years of of entrepreneurial experience. Unfortunately, uh, many coaches out there have never run a business other than their coaching business. Where I I run business in a businesses in a bunch of different disciplines. So, yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Is that you do see a lot of coaches out there that actually don't do what you know you're coaching on? What would you define as the right coach for a person? Well, if you're looking for a coach who's walked in your shoes. Now, I don't want to deride coaches who, who've who um, sort of never played the game, right? If you look at the sports arena, there are a few of them out there who never played the game and yet they were terrific coaches. But I think it gives you a, a unique perspective when you've actually walked in the shoes of the entrepreneur, something that coach who hasn't is it's kind of lacking. You know, you've got the good, the bad, and the indifferent to draw on as experience and and I don't generally uh, the gestalt that I follow 
that I learned from my years in EO is uh, I don't give advice. I share my experiences and I have a lot of them, right? So I share my experience and uh, that gives people a, a platform, a framework whereby they can make their own decision, right? I had a similar problem. Here's what I encountered. Here's how I handled it. Here's what the outcome was, right? So they can sort of model that and make their own decision because ultimately it's your business. They're your investments, right? You're the one with the skin in the game. So you've got to take responsibility for those decisions. Not me, right? (laughs) Don't hand them off to me. Absolutely. So it sounds like you've kind of had through your entrepreneurial lifetime and your career, you've had a lot of different things that you did. What would you consider your greatest accomplishment? We built a a leasing company from scratch and got up to about a 30 to $40 million portfolio. And we did that in a couple of years. That I was really proud of, the fact that we were able to do that. I had a business partner at the time. That we kind of knit out a whole cloth, which was probably the the pinnacle of what I was able to do in a in a short period of time, really scale a business up very quickly. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Let's dig in a little bit. What type of leasing business and then what were the key factors into being able to scale it to where you did? There's an old saying, there's there's riches in niches. So we found a little niche. At the time, they were called FASB 13, which is the Financial Accounting Standards Board's chapter on leasing equipment that would otherwise be capitalized. Now, the laws have changed over the years now, especially with the last tax change that we had here in the U.S., But there was a time for many, many decades where you had to capitalize equipment, right? So if you bought a whole bunch of computers, like we were dealing in the computer space mainly, right? So if you had to buy a whole bunch of servers, you had to depreciate them over five years, right? If you bought a desktop computer, depreciate over five years. Well, you know as well as I do that a computer doesn't last five years. You know, if you're lucky, you're going to get 18 months out of it. Then what do you do? So what what the little niche that we found was, well, what if we can turn capital expenditures into expenses, right? And this is really for for corporations. So why is that important? Well, if a corporation wants to buy $5 million worth of computers, but only has a budget of $300,000, right? In their IT budget, how are they going to make that happen? We provided a solution for that. And it was a really nice, powerful niche that uh, solved a lot of problems for uh, small to medium-sized corporations. Okay. What was one thing that you did that allowed you to scale like you said you were able to scale? Well, the nice thing about that business is it didn't really require a lot of manpower, right? So so people talk about the difference between scaling and growing. Growing is kind of linear and scaling is kind of logarithmic is kind of the way that I explain it. So what does that mean? A, a seven on the Richter scale earthquake is 10 times more powerful than a six, right? It's not a linear scale. It's a logarithmic scale, right? Without getting too deep into the weeds on this, I'm an engineer. So this kind of comes naturally. So the idea is that, you know, for each linear headcount that you add, you're getting a multiple on that. So that's really what scaling allows us to do. So we ran that business and a $4 million IT company with with a headcount of five. So that is probably now that now I'll take it back and say that's probably my proudest achievement is that we were able to do that with a very small headcount. Now you can do that today. Now again, this is you know this is going back a few years, but now with the internet available, you can that's that's um you know that's meat and potatoes, 
right? If you're if you're running a SaaS company or if you're running a portfolio based, even if it's in the real estate business, yes, you need bodies on the grassroots if you're managing properties, but you hire a property management company for that. Otherwise, you can really run it very, very lean. That's key for maintaining you know a high margin business. Absolutely. You know, you've been through so many different types of careers. What type of advice would you give your younger self now looking back? You know, I just did a podcast a couple of hours ago because I've done, I don't know, probably 80 or 90 podcasts since the lockdown. And we were talking about the early parts of, of my career, the first time that I actually hired a coach. Now, this is very self-serving for me to say this, but I'm going to say it. I should have hired a coach earlier. I didn't hire a coach until I was struggling with breaking up my my business, right? Business was great, and then it wasn't. And I had a business partner. And what drove me to hire that coach was dismantling the business. What I should have done is hired a coach at the beginning, and maybe I would have been able to avoid having to dismantle the business, right? Maybe I could have learned some more elegant strategies than some of the brute force strategies that I was using at the time. And it's one of the things that I try to teach. I try to look for a little more elegant, nuanced solution than than trying to use a sledgehammer to do everything in your business. And some people do that. Everything's powering through and and brute force. It's like, no, let's, let's not do that. Let's try something a little different. Yeah, I think that's good advice there. What are some of the main obstacles new entrepreneurs are going to face? (laughs) <laughs> how much time you got hey we got we got another 20 minutes <laughs> this is a 20 minute podcast oh my god uh, i wrote a little thing on my website it's called five reasons small businesses fail right i can go through them very very quickly because it'll give you a little bit of framework number five confusing passion for commitment i've heard people advise you should do something you're passionate about my answer is nonsense right nonsense do something that you're committed to doing because there are going to be times where it's just not good. It's just is not working, which is why what drives people to hire coaches to begin with is it's like, you know what? I got problems I got to solve. If everything was rolling along smoothly, people would convince themselves they don't need a coach. And that's a classic blunder there. What's interesting is uh, people think money should be at the top of the list. I kind of put money in the middle. I guess a simple piece of advice that I've given to many of my clients is that you should always be backstopped with some sort of a credit line and you should get it when you don't need it. Because when you do need it is when you ain't going to get it, (laughs) right? That's actually number three. Number two is messaging. Understand what it is you're selling, right? If you're in the real estate business, what exactly are you selling to people? To a large degree, you're not really just selling a home or an MDU or whatever you're selling peace of mind, right? You're selling a high level of confidence that what I'm providing to you is going to suit your needs, that I've done all the work that's necessary to determine that the schools are good, that the taxes are low, all the things that you said to me in our very first meeting, what's the most important stuff? That's actually number four. I skipped around. Number two is hiring. Most people suck at hiring. They hire the wrong people at the wrong time for the wrong reason, right? And then they fire that person and then they say, you know what? I'm not going to make that same mistake. I hired for skill. Now I'm going to hire for culture, right? And they hire somebody who's a perfect culture fit, but can't do the job. And number one, of course, is kind of the, I think the obvious one, idea. Your idea just sucks. 
I <laughs> just there's no other way to to put it. It's like you're you're right. You would be you would save a lot of money if you didn't execute your idea. I had a, a coaching client. Actually, it wasn't even a coaching client. It was a, a pro bono who was building a SaaS product for the real estate business. Right. Uh, this is a number of years ago. They had some cool features with it. But he didn't understand who was going to be using it. The average real estate or realtor is a 57-year-old woman. Now, no, I'm not casting aspersions against their, their technological skill. But this was a complicated thing. It was complicated for me. And I'm saying, if this is complicated for me and I've run tech businesses, how is just the average person on the street going to be able to handle this? Right? That's not going to work. You got to know who your audience is. So your idea was systemically flawed from day one. If that's the case, move on. Find something new to do. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking us through those five. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the biggest money trap? Not having enough of it? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I think the biggest money trap is confusing your sort of top line number, your sort of gross revs, and not taking into account your margin right? There's really only two things that you need to know to analyze a business to see whether it's viable, cash flow and gross margin. If you can manage both of those things, you could run a business selling paper clips or, you know, cruise ships or SEO or real estate or whatever it might be. Those are the two beasts that you have to tame. If you can't, if the margins are eroding, our first computer business, again, I'm going back 30 years ago, margins were eroding year after year. I was tracking it. I could see where they were going, and I did not see any forces that were going to reverse that. So I knew that was one of the reasons we started the leasing business is because I could see the handwriting on the wall, and we need to pivot out of that. So if you're seeing margins erode in one aspect of your business, you need to pivot around it, take the core competencies that you have in that, and apply them to something new. And tell us about your book that Lolita mentioned earlier. Uh, I believe it's called Financial Intelligence and why you chose to write that. Well, I, it's called FQ, Financial Intelligence. I thought it was really original, you know, IQ and EQ and FQ. And then, of course, I went on the internet and found that someone else had already used that. But that's okay. It's really a, um, a culmination of, you know, my whole adult life of, of managing and growing money. I was at a conference talking to a bunch of coaches about, um, you know, what's your BHAG, you know, your Jim Collins, big, hairy, audacious goal. And, and that was it. I wanted to write a course. So I wrote it as a course and then I tested it with a dozen people. And I was about to, to go live with it when a few folks said, you should turn it into a book. So I kind of did it all backwards. Then I spent a year turning it into a book because turning it into a book is a non-trivial task. A lot of moving parts to doing that. And I learned a lot. So now I'm, I'm writing another book now. So now I know, you know many of the things that a first timer wouldn't know, right? It's the same thing with entrepreneurial businesses. All those things that you learn in the first business are now act as shortcuts for the, for the second one. If you're in the property business, that first real estate deal you do, everything's brandy new, every little thing. And then it's just kind of a rinse and repeat, Sure, there are going to be nuances and there are obviously going to be things that are unique to each transaction that you do, but much of it's going to be the same, right? And it's not new anymore. Yep. No, I definitely agree. We're, uh, we just uh, launched a book as well. It's called Best in Class and it took us 14 months to write and there are definitely so many moving pieces. But the next time uh, we write a book, it is definitely going to be much easier and that's kind of how it rolls. So my last question, any other advice you're going to give to a young entrepreneur who's just out there getting started? Uh, yeah, don't get discouraged. 
because there are going to be times, uh, especially if you've if you've worked in in what I call affectionately cubicle world, right? If you've worked in a big company that has a lot of resources, you're walled off all sorts of stuff. Uh, I had a conversation with a coaching client the other day who has someone who is um, who we believe needs to go on workers' comp because they got very sick and they haven't been functional. It's a very, very, very tricky situation. And I, I said, most employees have no idea that they pay into an unemployment insurance fund and a, and a workers' comp fund, and that's available to them, but it actually goes through the business. They're, they're blissfully um, ignorant of that. If you're an entrepreneur, you do not want to be blissfully ignorant of that. I know from experience, having been um, you know, audited by the workers' comp department many years ago, and, and they wanted to find me 50 grand for you know, my 1099 employees. You know, a little bit of a crackdown on on contractors, uh, on uh, you know, uh, mass employees masquerading as contractors, right? Had to hire a good lawyer, cost me some money. These kind of things you would never deal with if you were working for someone else, unless of course you were working in that department. But if you're just sort of a worker bee, you're you have no idea what's involved with payroll and taxes and all of these things that go on. Well, as a business owner, you're going to see these up close and personal. That can be a little yep. daunting. Again, it, it's new. It may set you back, but but don't let it uh, derail you. All right. Perfect. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Lightning round. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have. And we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. (laughs) All right, Henry, here we go. What is the one tool you use in everyday coaching that you could not do without? Well, there's a whole bunch of tools that I use, but I think the one is uh, Schedule Once, which is a like Calendly. Uh, my calendar is out there, so I have different types of clients, but my all-in clients, they can schedule calls with me whenever they want. So they can just go on my calendar, and if they want, they find a slot, and they schedule it. I tell people, if there's a slot on my calendar, it means I'm available. You don't have to call me. You don't have to Slack me. I keep my clients on Slack. I have some client, international clients on WhatsApp. So all those SaaS tools that are really inexpensive, use them. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what's the main takeaway for our listeners? Well, the biggest mistake is easy. I partnered with a guy back about 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We built a whole bunch of spec houses you know, early this, this century. I didn't put the necessary controls in place. I wrote about it in my book. And then he committed suicide. And I was left with a multi-million dollar obligation. I had everybody and his kid brother suing me, the bank, the investors. It was a three-year nightmare. Amazingly, it turned out fine for me. Cost me a couple thousand dollars for a lawyer and a lot of sleepless nights. The biggest takeaway was I thought I had insulated myself from risk. I hadn't. What would you do differently in that situation? Not do it at all. I partnered with the wrong guy. So I'm the original sin was partnering with the wrong person. Talk about a bad hiring mistake. 
that was it. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Grow my life to the next level? Uh, You know, I'm 61, almost 62 years old, but I'm restless. I'm constantly looking for new stuff to do. I'm kind of waiting for COVID to finally get the all clear to actually go out and meet people and, you know, human beings again, which is one of the reasons why I've substituted podcasts for it. It kind of kind of scratches that itch. I've done a lot in, in my life, but there's still a lot, still a lot of stuff to do. You know, you mentioned that I'm a screenwriter. I've written 11 screenplays. I would love to see one of them turned into a movie before I die. I think the only way it's going to happen is if I do it, but that's <laughs> another hag, right? Produce movie. Why not? Yeah. Why not? And lastly, Henry, where can people find out more about you? So you can go to my uh, my primary website, www.dasknowledge.com. If you click on the FQ tab, you can download my book for free. It's in there somewhere. I also offer podcast listeners. If you go to podcast.dasknowledge.com, I offer a free month of coaching. So four sessions, half hour, we can talk about entrepreneurship, real estate, money, screenwriting. I'm actually studying to um, to get my real estate license here in the state of Connecticut. So doing that whole thing too. Lots of things to talk about. And, and I've had lots of people take me up on it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's no obligation. It's free. Why not? Great. Well, thanks, Henry, for sharing your knowledge and journey. We enjoyed you having on our show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Henry. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.